hear us through your AirPods or see us on your laptop, how about meeting us in real life? Because we're taking Queer Money on the road this summer and fall. Visit QueerMoneyPodcast.com forward slash tour or the link in your podcast player to find out when we'll be in your neighborhood. Money, our bodies, our jobs, all those things aren't what create authentic happiness. And most of our community is so focused on gaining happiness from these material things that we end up blocking ourselves from both emotional and material abundance to survive, let alone thrive. That sounds like something we'd say, huh? On this very show, right? Well, they're actually the words of Coach Alex Ray, and you're listening to Queer Money episode number 266. Today, we're talking with Alex Ray about building internal confidence and creating authentic abundance. Alex himself struggled with self-confidence for many of the same reasons many queer people in the community struggle with it. Having hit rock bottom in 2017, Alex is now helping queer people gain their confidence and create the vibration they need to generate true and authentic happiness. This is profound because many of us are working so hard for material success that all we really do is remind our unconscious of what we don't have, and then we create a vibration that perpetuates the slack. Alex shares how we can change our vibration, lead simpler lives, and become happier and more abundant in the process. This is juicy stuff that we think you're going to love, because we do. Now, let's get on with the show. There's personal finance for the masses. This is not personal finance for the masses. This is Queer Money. How does your bank support the LGBT community? Not at all? For Pride in June? Or 365 days a year? Capital One proudly supports the LGBT community throughout the year. Maybe it's time to support a bank that supports us. Go to debtfreeguys.com forward slash cafe for more info. Queer Money is being brought to you in part by the five building blocks of a happy gay life. Join the growing community of happy, healthy, and wealthy gay men who love their lives inside and out. Get your free copy of the five building blocks of a happy gay life at debtfreeguys.com forward slash happy. So welcome, Alex Ray, to the Queer Money Podcast. We're excited to have you. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Of course. So uh, several weeks ago, we had Mike Iamelli on our show, and he talked about sensitivities and sensitivity training, uh, part of which David has since done. But then Mike introduced us to you, and we thought, well, this is interesting, slight twist on our message and his message, and maybe hopefully providing our audience with a little bit more robust uh, perspective on happiness and confidence. Yeah. So we've been talking a lot about authentic happiness here lately, and you say that our money, bodies, jobs, etc. aren't what creates true happiness, but the queer community is obsessed with this and gaining happiness through those material things. And this is what David and I have noticed, and I think Mike has noticed it as well. So would you mind elaborating on that? Why do you think this is? Yeah, absolutely. So I think it's really its human tendency, right? Especially especially here in America, not every country is really as obsessed with the material as we are. Most countries that are poorer because their focus is in a different area is what I'm trying to say. So countries that are third world countries are often um, look to spiritualism, the signs of like a successful or happy life. And here in the U.S., we have a lot of physical abundance, a lot of financial abundance. And I think we focus here on a lot of material things and visible, outwardly visible things to kind of be the marker of happiness or success. But using our circumstances as the measure for happiness or success is definitely not a queer problem. I would say it's a human problem in general. 
So you wouldn't say that the LGBTQ community is more obsessed with this than, say, the general population? Oh, good clarification. Yeah. So <laughs> it does seem like I would agree that the queer community is probably more concerned with it than the general population. But I think that the reason for that is that because our culture has has taken circumstances like money and said this is the measure of success or happiness – we know our queer community suffers from a lot of self-loathing, a lot of lack of identity, a lot of lack of self-worth. And within that, as we are desperately searching to find identity, to find value, to find self-worth, I think that's why our community is clinging on to what our society has said will create happiness. We're looking to have success that other people can see to try to prove ourselves to them. And ultimately, it's really about proving ourselves to ourselves. It is kind of interesting when you think about it that there are these various measures of success. And when we ourselves don't feel successful, we look to what other people are saying is the measurement for success. And then we gravitate towards that because if we ourselves don't feel successful, we want someone else to say, oh, you're successful because you have this or look like that or your circumstances. We try to cover it up, our own feelings inside with what other people would deem us as successful. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, so we, we had Paul Donovan, who was a chief economist of UBS on the podcast uh, several months back. He talked about his book, uh, Pride, Profit and Prejudice, and he talked about the concept of hysteresis effect in that it's, a, it's an economic term that basically means that a an event has happened that has uh, future economic consequences. And mm -hmm. in this scenario, he pretty much said, you know, we had the HIV AIDS crisis in the 80s and 90s, and that created sort of a, a, a consequence in the future long after there's been either that spark or that initial event has dissipated or gone away altogether, and that we're still sort of feeling the effects of that even into the future today because we have many LGBTQ people, specifically gay men, trying to sort of live by a carpe diem philosophy. Do you think that there's a correlation there at all between the HIV AIDS crisis, the idea that we sort of have to live for today, tomorrow we will die, and that sort of set the tone of what the perfect gay man sort of stereotype would look like? I think that's certainly one explanation for it, but I think that there's probably a lot of layers here. From my personal experience, I grew up in a very conservative Christian church that told me that gay people were going to hell. and so a lot of my performance in life and a lot of what I was doing to try to earn happiness was really about proving myself to other people because I thought that I was so worthless morally that I was just worthy of eternal punishment. And so I was kind of trying to earn earn some type of worth from what I did. And usually it was for what I did for other people. So I became a giant people pleaser. I have no doubt, though, that probably uh, on a large scale across the economy, it, it does make sense that the AIDS crisis would fuel also a shift in how our society views the queer community, especially gay men, and maybe some 
some of the examples that have been set from from gay men that grew up in that era has kind of now probably become a little bit of what we are looking to as as younger gay men for an example of how to live and how we should live. So I think it's safe to say then that we have compounding battles, right? I think I think maybe yeah. Paul is right that we, we are sort of uh, struggling a little bit, still start, sort of recovering economically anyway from the HIV AIDS crisis. Obviously, we're still fighting the crisis itself. But then I think to your point, and I think Dave and I have talked about this a lot of our own personal journey, but to what you're talking about, it's very similar to Andrew Tobias's book, The Best Little Boy in the World, where you've got to constantly prove to everybody and everyone else that despite how you treated me when I was younger or what you thought of me uh, or even what you think of me today, it's, it's hard for you to disregard me because look how fabulous I am. Look at all the things that I have and look at all the things that I can do. Right. Yeah. So I think it's just more complex than one thing. It can't possibly be just what he was pointing out. And it can't possibly be just what I'm pointing out right here from my own personal experiences. We're humans. We're we're pretty complicated. And there's a lot of angles here, I think, as to why we in the queer community and particularly like we're talking about right now, gay men do what we do. So in, in general, how would you what do you think the consequences of this are? In, to individuals as well as uh, the queer community as a whole? Mm. Well, to the individual, it's a compounding degradation of self-worth. So people-pleasing, I love to say, is manipulation in drag, right? Yeah. So it it's dressed up. She's looking snatched. She's beautiful. <laughs> It looks kind, it looks helpful, it looks amazing, but it's really coming from a place of insecurity and fear, and I need to do this thing, I need to help this other person in order for me to be safe. It's an attempt at manipulating how another person feels in order to achieve safety. And so typically those of us that struggle with people-pleasing have experienced trauma as a child where we weren't really emotionally safe. We couldn't really experience a full range of emotions because maybe mom or dad or, or whoever was our uh, adult guardian was not emotionally available or was emotionally unsafe. And so we were constantly on the lookout to try to predict and curtail I don't even know I'm using fancy words that I don't even understand now, <laughs> but to try to manipulate their emotions to stay safe. Well, it, I guess to a certain degree, I love that you said that it's uh, it's manipulation and drag because to a certain degree, when we're, when we're people pleasing, we're manipulating them as well, right? Yeah. Because mm -hmm. we're not letting them see our true selves. We're not letting them judge for themselves whether or not we are worthy because we are worthy but mm -hmm. let them decide if they want if they want to be a part of our lives if not then then i need you to just get the fuck out, out of my life right because if i need to be <laughs> yes. a certain way if i need to have that certain bag or i have to do this certain look on drag or i have to have this particular type of body we all oftentimes we hear this in the community a lot of people mm -hmm. say just please love me for who i am and mm -hmm. then we go out and we put on the drag show, right? Whether right. that's trying to be a success, 
trying to have this certain kind of body, trying to literally hide who we are through the clothes that we wear or the act we put on for people, then we are manipulating other people and we're not really helping anybody. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And the way this compounds is that as soon as we start showing up inauthentically and get any type of validation from another person, our brain then uses that as like, see, I told you, your authentic self is not lovable. Look no. at this. We got some love being inauthentic. Keep up the act. And it starts becoming like it's a snowball effect. We start building momentum behind this artificial act. And we believe even stronger and stronger over time that who we are authentically is not lovable. And this artificial show, this drag show that we're putting on is the only way to receive love. Right. And what's so interesting about this is that sometimes from the outward appearance, these things can look in and of themselves really good, right? Mm -hmm. So if you're a people pleaser, you may be looked at as a very generous or humble person. But mm -hmm. if you're doing it for the wrong reasons, like I used to buy rounds of shots and dinners for friends because I only thought that was the way that they would like me, right? Yeah. We do these kinds of things to people please, but in reality, it may look like a good thing but it's not really a good thing. I'm not saying don't go, <laughs> don't be generous, but, yes. or sometimes we get, in, we get sucked into the lifestyle of showing everyone how successful we are because everyone thinks it's a good thing, right? Everyone wants somebody be, to be successful, but if we're being successful for the wrong reasons, mm -hmm. kind of goes back to this facade. Yeah. I think a great question to ask yourself if, you're someone who's kind of noticing that you have this pattern. You're trying to figure out like, where's the line between people pleasing and being generous. Ask yourself, how would you feel if you didn't do this thing? And if the answer is afraid, then you were doing it to feel safe and you were people pleasing. If you didn't feel afraid, if you didn't do it right, you were like, okay, whatever I could take it or leave it. Doesn't matter. You know, it's not a case of people pleasing, or you'd also, you might see if it really was truly from a place of just generosity and love, there might be a little tiny bit of sadness that you feel of like, oh, I, I really enjoy doing that for another person. And I would love to do that. How easy is that to identify though? Because I think what you said earlier struck me as really profound. I've never really thought about these facades that we're putting on sort of causing the same type of dopamine rush that we get when we get like a like on Facebook or Instagram. Mm -hmm. And we, we've accumulated yeah. all these dopamine rushes for 20, 30, 40 years. We've got this neuro-linguistic programming going on in our head. The, the, those synapses are, are solidified together. How easy is that to do to say, simply ask that question and say, hmm, I'm not being my authentic self. Or do you think on some level we all kind of know? I don't know if I could really give a blanket answer for everyone. <laughs> it really depends on your level of self-awareness. But I know that for me, what I had to do at first was a lot of conscious effort. It was not like I could just in the moment, hmm, why am I doing this? Right. I didn't really think of it until afterwards. And so when I started my own journey here, it was a lot of reflecting afterwards and kind of acting 
asking myself these questions. And so if you're somebody that's just starting out and wanting to gain some self-awareness here, I would actually take pen and paper out and write about it. It doesn't have to be anything complicated or super structured, but take a moment to do this reflection later when you're you're not in that scenario anymore because when you're in it and you're not used to questioning yourself like this a lot of the as you mentioned like endorphins and stuff are going to be rushing and your brain is like shut the fuck up just do it (laughs) give me my high give me my high (laughs) you know i think that maybe i 100 agree with you and i think that maybe one of the questions or the the things to look at is is this behavior or is this whatever it may be is it having negative repercussions in other aspects of my life right because for us we saw after we took a step back and looked at our finances, we saw the path of, okay, we're driving ourselves into financial ruin, trying to look a certain way, go to certain places, please certain people. And there, that's having a negative repercussion. Is your desperateness for success, or whatever aspect of your life, is it like some people are very successful, but they have no honest relationships with people in their lives. The people want to be around them because they're successful, but they don't have good relations, strong relationships with people. So is it blocking you from the other things that are important in your life? That's a beautiful point. I agree a hundred percent. What a that's a great question to ask yourself. Well I think that's a beautiful tee up to my next question, David. <laughs> so I've I've read on your blog or elsewhere, I've seen somewhere that you say that, that we're obsessed as a community with certain definitions of success. But that mm-hmm. this obsession with these various definitions of success actually block us from true emotional and material abundance. Can you elaborate yeah. on that? Yeah, absolutely. So as we kind of started with a lot of people like to look to our circumstances to create our feelings. So if I have a lot of money, then I'll be happy. If I have a lot of friends, then I'll be happy. Or maybe you're an introvert. If I have a lot of alone time, then I'll be happy, right? (laughs) If I have a lot of followers, I'll be happy. The happiness does not come from the thing. Our thoughts are what create our feelings. That's why some people have you know, a hundred bucks in their bank account and are the happiest person you've ever met. And other people have a million dollars in their bank account and are the happiest person you've ever met and vice versa. Maybe both of them are miserable, right? If it were true that the circumstance actually created how we felt, then we would see that every single person that was happy had the same circumstance. They all had this certain amount of money or friends or attention online. And that's simply not true because it's reliant on our thoughts to create the feeling. So I I love that you're saying that. I mean, our our messages are so in sync from the idea of journaling uh, your experiences and and doing past reflection to to what you just said there, that the the money doesn't actually provide the happiness. It's our thoughts and our responses to our thoughts that create the happiness. So what would you say to Mm -hmm. folks who sort of push back on that and say, you don't really understand my problem? That's coming from a place of, of privilege. Do you think that's coming Mm. from a place of privilege or do you think that there is an element of possible truth to that? Well, if this person is in the U.S., then they're still better off than most of the world. So (laughs) they're also (laughs) privileged. (laughs) 
100 percent agree like, with that too. <laughs> right. So like let's get it straight. I have been so I used to be very involved with a church. I don't know if we're getting into uh faith and stuff here today, but things have changed for me a lot. And I did an episode on my podcast about that. So I guess if people are really curious, you can go there to look. But long way to say I went on a trip to Ghana for church, not something I would do again. I don't believe in short term missions, just, you know, hedging my myself before the internet gets all angry at me. (laughs) (laughs) But The biggest lesson that I took away from going there was realizing how truly financially poor most of the world is, but how emotionally wealthy most of the world is. I have never met people that were happier in my entire life, and they literally lived in boxes, like falling apart metal boxes next to a river that smelled of dead fish rotting. And all they had to eat was maybe like a fish or two a day. They drank dirty water. They had no way of cleaning their bodies. And I've never seen bigger smiles on anyone's faces. So I would love to hear anyone come back with, but you don't understand my situation. I do. I can't imagine what it's like to be in your shoes, whoever you are. But I do know that you will feel totally free when you do realize that it's not up to your finances or any other circumstance to create your happiness. Again, that's how a kid across the globe was the kindest, happiest person I've ever met with circumstances far worse than even the most financially poor people here in the United States. This podcast is sponsored by Capital One. Capital One is redesigning the banking experience by offering simple, straightforward, and seamless ways for you to bank from almost anywhere. So banking fits into your life, not the other way around. It's interesting that you kind of juxtapose the the two, right? The privilege and what we have in the United States and the lack of what they have in other countries and the differences of feeling, right? Um, yeah. I, I remember a while back reading an article on CNBC that talked about a couple living in New York who were making over $500,000 a year but complaining that they lived paycheck to paycheck, And Mm -hmm. they had developed in themselves a mentality of they just never had enough. They always spent as much as they had or more. So that left them living paycheck to literally living paycheck Mm -hmm. to paycheck. And then you have people who don't have the ability to earn hardly anything, and they have this abundance mindset, or they have this at least a, a, an abundance right now mindset of I can be happy, I can enjoy my life. And I think that kind of it kind of speaks to some of the, the financial discussion that we're talking about here, this kind of emotional aspect to our abundance and material abundance is that we sometimes it's our thoughts that prevent us or block us from actually having more because we just constantly are reminding ourselves that we don't have enough. And when we constantly remind ourselves that we don't have enough, we'll never have enough. Right. Yeah, that's exactly. And that's why someone in a third world country can be thinking, I have plenty. I got through yesterday. I'm going to get through today. 
they're happy. And somebody here can be thinking, I'm always lacking and having 500 grand a year coming in. And that's why, you know, they are living the way they are or they're feeling the way they're feeling is because they're thinking their, their brain is stuck in I'm lacking. And a large portion of that is we are a, a bit, we have fallen into the advertising schemes here, right? Our country loves to focus on material things and tell us to brainwash people really to say, Hey, you need this material thing in order to be happy. So that's why Americans and definitely the queer community were also being advertised to like crazy because advertisers have figured out that we're obsessed with physical success to try to make up for this hole that we're lacking inside of us. So they're like, great, they'll spend lots of money. They'll make lots of money too. And they've got a trillion dollars to do it. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> so let me ask you, do you think that the kind of the opposite in the queer community can also happen within certain groups within the queer community. It seems like there is this kind of almost nobility in being impoverished, right? Mm -hmm. That I'm better than you because I'm not as successful as other people. I don't have a lot of money, so I'm a better person than you because we know money is bad. Money is mm -hmm. evil. How does that play into this whole idea of of confidence and the emotional aspect of trying to attract or be a successful person? I love that you asked this question. So both the person that is believing poverty is what makes me a righteous person, or the person that's saying, hey, financial accomplishment is what makes me the righteous person. Both are coming from the exact same place of insecurity. They're both looking outside of themselves to provide their sense of worth. And they're also ranking the other humans against themselves in order to feel good about themselves. So confidence self-acceptance self-love doesn't need to compare to other people there's no need because you're already you're already happy and loving and enjoying who you are when you're insecure you're looking outside yourself your brain is constantly on the lookout for where's the evidence where can i find something that will help fill this hole in me oh there are people that are rich. I don't have, I have a negative bank account balance right now. So you know what? I've decided that to have less money is actually better. Therefore, I'm better than the other people. Okay, thank goodness I can sleep tonight. <laughs> <laughs> it, again, it's a, it, it's kind of like what you said. It's this putting on this uh, emotional drag show. <laughs> yeah. Right? Because I, I think we're going to use that in the future. Yeah, yeah, we're definitely. <laughs> we'll give you credit. That we'll give you credit. <laughs> <laughs> so I've only ever had one person get offended about it, and it was a straight person. And I was like, you know what? That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. We've had we we uh, most of the negative feedback. We haven't gotten a lot, but most of the negative feedback we've gotten about naming our podcast "Queer Money" have come from straight people. <laughs> right. <laughs> 
It's You're kind like, of don't trying. Leave don't leave us out. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I, you know, we're, we're we're definitely on board with your your messaging here. So how does one, whether you're coming from either ends of those spectrums, how do you get in touch with your authentic self so that you don't need to continue to look outward to validate yourself, but you can actually achieve more more of that that truer happiness and avail yourself to that abundance that you're trying to attract, authentic abundance. Yeah. yeah. So. The first step is to be willing to be uncomfortable because right now, like our brain loves to hold on to our existing beliefs. It hates changing beliefs more than anything else. That's why we would rather go hustle and work ourselves into the ground to accomplish things. We'd rather do that than change how we think because it is very exhausting for our brain. So you have to be first willing to be uncomfortable because you're going to start changing some things and your brain is going to tell you, no, this is wrong. Don't do this. I'm afraid. This is not how the world works. Stop lying. You know, <laughs> I'm in danger. <laughs> and you have to be willing to go, okay, brain, I hear you. I love you, but I'm the adult here and uh, we're going to do things my way. It's going to be all right. <laughs> So I th that's totally true. We, we constantly doubt ourselves, especially when we're trying to change, change our thoughts and behaviors. But then when you add on top of that, all the people you're surrounded with don't want you to change too. So you've got you've to deal with that. What's your, what's your strategy for dealing with the people who want to keep you where you are? Because if you mm -hmm. evolve, that makes them reflect on themselves. Love that. Yeah. Acceptance. That's it. Simply accepting them because the things that that changes is two major things change when you accept that first you stop trying to convince them that they should be okay with you and it's natural human behavior right if our brains don't like change they have a concept that they've developed of you in their head so of course their brain is arguing against it. They don't want you to change because they want to be able to hold on to their existing bias that they've developed about you. So by accepting that, hey, it's going to be difficult for them and they just might not like it, you stop wasting your energy trying to change them and you get to actually just work on what's already going to be hard enough and that's changing your own thoughts. And then second, with along with that acceptance is also when you pure, purely accept it, you might also reevaluate and say, you know what, these were friends that belonged with me for a season or a, they were a friend that taught me something. They were here for a great reason in my life, but they're not a lifetime friend. And that's OK. Right. I think that's a that's a really good one is that if you are improving and people don't want to be with you in that improving process then now is not the right time for them to be with you. Maybe mm -hmm. they will come around at another point in time. Maybe they never will. But if the new and improved you is not, quote unquote, worthy to them, mm -hmm. then it's just not the right time to be around them because they may drag you back to where you ended up or where you're trying to improve from. Right. Yeah. We don't have to demonize them. We can just let them be. Right. Right. But I would think that for a demographic of people who have spent so many years looking for validation and happiness and acceptance, that that might create an, an added layer of challenge. Is that what you're experiencing with the people that you coach, or at least the LGBTQ people that you coach? 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it does add a level of fear. But again, when I'm working with a client, I also am providing that safe space for them to also kind of challenge and plan and say, okay, look, I am afraid to do this because my brain is telling me like, I'm not going to have any friends left. Most of the time, that's not what happens. But if it does, we get to a point where they're so okay with who they are that they're not really concerned about the other people anymore because they know, oh, okay, wait a minute. I create my happiness by my relationship with myself. And then we go and find awesome, way better friends. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there's that popular quote from Jim Rohn that says, um, you are the five people that you spend the most time with. And so mm-hmm. his, his response to people back when he used to do motivational speaking, um, who would say, well, do I just you know, leave my, all my friends and family behind and ignore them? And his response was always, you don't have to leave them behind. You don't have to dismiss them. They, you don't have to throw them away. You can just spend less time with them and less frequently spend time with them. Um, so you can still yeah. kind of manage the two. So you can still stay engaged with those folks. You don't have to throw, discard them, but you know, try to find more enlightening people, try to surround yourself with. And then maybe they'll yeah. come along in your journey with you. Yeah. And also just because it's scary, that's not a great reason not to do something. Right. <laughs> like, do you, what do you want more? Do you want to be comfortable or do you want a life with more happiness or more abundance or whatever you're trying to achieve here that your friends might not be coming along with. Like you decide, you get to make that choice. I think if you ask people that question in front of a crowd, they're going to say they want the growth. But I think deep down inside, we're all thinking, I just want to be comfortable. <laughs> Let right. me be in my bed oh, and yeah. ice cream. <laughs> For sure. We are all thinking, I want to be comfortable. <laughs> deep down. Yes. <laughs> the subconscious is like, fuck you. <laughs> I really want to sit here and just chill. <laughs> exactly. It, it, do you think that that might be one of the reasons why as a community, again, I'm going to go back to this, accept me for who I am. But more often than not, it seems like members of our community are extremely judgmental towards each other, right? We judge pockets of the community. We say things about groups of people. Somebody comes walking into a restaurant or bar or whether we're with a group of friends and we there invariably is somebody that makes a comment about the way they're dressed or the way they look or, you know, we just have this judgment. And do you think that is kind of a protection mechanism to keep us in this place? Well, the way that we treat other people is how we're treating ourselves internally. So if they're an asshole (laughs) on the outside to the other people, just imagine how they're treating themselves internally. Like, You cannot be kind and compassionate and loving towards yourself and act like that towards other people. It's just not possible. Yeah, it's kind of in line with what Mel Mel Robbins says, that if most of us would be institutionalized, if a psychiatrist could hear (laughs) the dialogue that's going on inside our head. (laughs) So you're you're right. So if you're criticizing and tearing down other people publicly, vocally, then what is it that you're doing to yourself? And the only reason you're, you're tearing those other people down, whether it's in front of their face or whether it's behind the bravery of a keyboard is because mm-hmm. you're trying to make yourself feel better. Right. Which comes from this core belief, right? Again, our thoughts are creating how you're feeling, right? A core belief of there's a ranking system of humans 
Because right. otherwise, there would be no reason to tear another person down if it didn't benefit anything at all, right? If if all of us were just always worthy, a hundred percent all the time, there was no level that anyone could fluctuate to, then we wouldn't be tearing anyone down. Right. Well, you know, I, oftentimes I think about that particular scenario of where you're with a group of friends and somebody comes walking into the bar, and somebody in the group, even sometimes I've done this myself. I will make a joke or say something or somebody will say something about that individual in a judgmental way. Oftentimes, it's to get the laugh, right? It's to get the... Mm -hmm. And the whole reason you want everybody laughing at you is because everybody likes to be the the person who creates the happy-go-lucky feeling within the group that raises your level within the group, right? I just move myself up in the ranking system by making everybody else around here laugh, but that person feel bad, or at least in my mind, make that person feel bad. Right. Yeah. Then you have to ask yourself, what is the true vibration that you're creating? Right? Is there is there a facade that you've raised your level within that particular circle of friends? Or are you really emitting a negative vibration that then, to your point earlier, Alex, is, is blocking the actual abundance and authentic happiness that you want? Yeah, exactly. We all, we've all done that before where we said that joke. We know how we actually felt afterwards. Our brain like argued us into doing it beforehand. And then afterwards, we're like, oh, I don't feel that great. I'm a bitch. <laughs> and it's, yeah. <laughs> it's interesting because the focus here is around confidence and how confidence then can confidence or lack of confidence can have this ripple effect on the rest of our lives. Mm -hmm. And that really oftentimes when you see somebody doing something like that, it is coming from a place of lack of confidence. Because if you were confident in who you are, you didn't, you would, like you said, there's no, no reason to try to move up and down the ranking system. So let them be who they, if they want to wear that, let them wear that. If they feel confident wearing that, let them be confident wearing that or having their hair look like that or whatever the case may be, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a great time to ask yourself, like, why does it bother you so much? <laughs> right, and I think back to your point earlier, how do you grow from this? Obviously, in the situation at the bar after you've had the shot or two, it's probably not the best time to do some some internal reflection. <laughs> but maybe the next day, you grab that pen and paper, your journal, whatever, as we've talked about a lot, grab a journal, write down your thoughts, really think it through. Maybe upon further reflection, you'll realize that, you're not proud of saying that it didn't actually create the vibration and the return that you were looking for. And maybe then think, how can you act differently the next time that scenario presents itself? Mm -hmm. And I, I think we are all guilty of doing this, right? So it's uh, it's an opportunity to be, don't start judging everybody else because they're judging everybody else. <laughs> it's, right. It's slippery it's slope. yourself, right? Or, go, or even go into self-judgment and like, oh my God, you're right. I'm a shitty ass human, right? right? That is That would be opposite of productive here. Right. So this whole conversation around confidence, clearly this is something that you have had to address in your life, right? Mm -hmm. So how have you done this? What you must have, have you struggled with confidence in your life? Yeah, <laughs> you could say that. <laughs> <laughs> we only have like an hour right. long show, by the way. <laughs> right. <laughs> so the, the short version is, yeah, I've always struggled with lack of self-love, lack of confidence, insecurity, right? 
I was really the most insecure person that I knew. I felt like I could have won an award for the most insecure person in the room (laughs) without going into all the things that kind of led into that. It did take me down a hill of deep, deep depression. And I was doing a lot to try to earn value. I was hustling. I was working multiple jobs. I would started a business, blah, 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 doing all these things that we're talking about of trying to earn the love or earn happiness from achievement. And in 2017, in the fall, I hit a rock bottom in my depression. And I had been in and out of therapy for about seven or so years before that, on and off. I was on medication. I was with a therapist, and it didn't matter. I attempted suicide that fall and thankfully was not successful. And when I went back into therapy, that's when we actually started making way bigger leaps. And I finally decided, hey opening up wouldn't be a bad idea here, right? I was in therapy, but believing I was a burden on my therapist, so I didn't want to be very open about it. And through that process, made a lot of headway and then started stagnating like a couple years after that. And when I found life coaching, life coaching is the very future focus versus therapy is very like past focused. And so I added life coaching and was doing both of them at the same time. And that was really what helped me get, you know, therapy helped me get on my feet. It got me to functioning. It got me to stable. And then receiving life coaching got me to go from like, okay, I'm neutral to, oh, I actually do enjoy me. I do actually like me. I do enjoy being myself. And I've noticed like a clear sign has been my defensiveness and I'm still finding times when I'm like, Oh my gosh, why did I show up with like all the armor on just a few weeks ago? I realized I did this in a class that I was in and I was like, I don't need this. I'm above this. I'm so far advanced compared to the other people in the class. I'm going to be helping them. They're not going to be helping me. And you know what? I've learned so much from that program and I realized, oh, I was doing that thing again that I also help other people quit doing. And that was going in guns blazing, armor on to try to avoid being vulnerable and to avoid being hurt. It was a way of kind of trying to self-validate by saying, hey, look, I've got it together and the other people don't. Well, thank you for sharing that and having the courage to be so public and and open about that. I'm curious, having had that experience of hitting rock bottom, and especially the way that that you did, how would you advise or coach people to be able to get to a place closer to where you are today without having to get to such a drastic rock bottom? Or is that even possible? Yeah, so... I wish I had met a life coach when I was in my like late teens. Um, I think it really would have been helpful because I was looking to grow in all these ways, but I was using it to self-validate. And I think had I worked with a coach, I would have caught that and helped me still like work towards the achievement that life coaching is not saying like, stop achieving, just sit on your bum and be happy. (laughs) But 
I'm also so thankful that I did go through what I went through because it revealed to me everything. And I, I wasn't seeing it until it was that blatant. So for somebody else, if you're noticing, you know, it, particularly if you're experiencing depression, if you're having daily thoughts of harming yourself like I was, that is a situation that you should go talk with a therapist with. And I didn't know being someone that was there. I didn't know at the time that it was possible to, for me to change from thinking about ending my life on the daily or at least dying multiple times a day. I would think about it to now, I don't know, maybe every few months something crosses my mind and I'm like, Oh, there's the old thought again. Okay. Thank you. But you don't serve me anymore. I didn't know anyone that had my experience before. I didn't know it was possible to make that change. And so I do want to encourage somebody that's noticing that they're there. It is possible. And that's absolutely a, a scenario where go to a therapist and be open with them. They are here to serve you. There's no way you could possibly be a burden to them. Just as you enjoy showing up and helping your friends, they enjoy showing up and helping you. Otherwise, they wouldn't be a therapist. And you're also paying them, so it's their job. <laughs> True. So I guess, so what you're saying then, it sounds like you sort of need to, as an individual, maybe figure out where, where you're, you're currently at. And based mm -hmm. on where you're at at this particular time in your life, maybe a therapist is appropriate or maybe a coach is appropriate. Yeah. And either one usually knows the difference, right? So when... I take on a new client. If you were to to go to my website and try to sign up with me, we're first going to do a consultation process. And within that, we're going to open up and we're going to talk about some things. And I'm trained to understand where the line is between therapy and coaching. And even sometimes within a coaching process, I'll find things I'm like, oh, hey, this is some trauma that you haven't unpacked. It sounds like I would love for you to go, you know, work with a therapist on this particular thing to dig into this because it's going to be a more productive way of you working on this and we'll keep working on this other thing over here. Oh, gotcha. So you could do both simultaneously in some, in the mm -hmm. right situation. Totally. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So if you feel like you're not sure who to go to, just pick one <laughs> and talk with them about it and they should be able to give you a recommendation of, of who really serves you best at this stage. So it sounds like I, I don't want to make any assumptions, but it sounds like you're still working on yourself. So can you share maybe two or three exercises or ways that you're working to build your self-confidence? Yeah, of course. I'm on a, a never ending journey. I think this is going to be till the day I die. I will always be doing it, which is also why I'm so good at teaching it because I'm like, trust me, if you've had that crappy thought or you've done that shitty thing. I've done it too. <laughs> Don't worry. <laughs> There's no judgment here. And I'm also very aware of it because I see it so clearly because I'm like, yeah, hey, dude, I do that too. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> A few exercises. One of my favorite ones recently has been a inner child playlist, I call it. And I created a playlist on my phone that's private just for me and it has some love songs for it or in it <laughs> some love songs in it that are really just for me to kind of sing along to for myself these are love songs that i'm picturing me 
loving on my inner child who grew up in an, a not safe environment where he was not encouraged to be totally authentic, where he was not safe to have a full spectrum of feelings. He was always living in fear. And when listening to this playlist, I can connect with him again and say, Hey buddy, like how you doing? I got you. And I just love you so much. You're safe with me. And I want you to just you know, tell me what's up. What are you hurting about? Because I'm here to listen and I'm here to let you be totally authentic and vulnerable. I love that. That is like creating a mixtape for yourself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a wonderful so idea. Sounds like I have a job, but in the future, John always has me. I can't make playlists. I can only assign songs to David to put on my phone. <laughs> <laughs> what a great partnership, right? Like, we're, we're like, I don't know shit about tech. He can make that up. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I will appreciate one of the things that you said at the beginning of your comments there was that this idea of that you're constantly on this journey. And Brian Faldudo was on the podcast several weeks back, episode 260. And and he said, I'm not healed. I don't think anyone is walking around this planet healed. We mm-hmm. are always constantly on this journey of discovery. And if you're listening to the podcast, and you think that you're never going to get there, you're never going to get to that place. None of us ever will, right? right? We're all constantly going to be struggling with these these feelings that are basically bound into our DNA based on how we were raised or literally sometimes the food that we eat can cause us to have these feelings of insecurity or the way we carry ourselves, all of that. We're never going to that doesn't mean it's not worth working on. But Don't hold yourself up to a level of perfection because none of us are ever going to get there. And the people that you think are perfect, more often than not, you're only seeing the drag show. (laughs) Yes. I, David is looking at me right now because he's thinking, I know you think Madonna is perfect and she's not. <laughs> that is another episode. <laughs> Always got to try to sneak in a Madonna reference. Huh? The flaws uh, of Madonna. <laughs> oh my gosh. That sounds like you might get sued for that one. I know, right? <laughs> or you get a lot of traffic for that one. <laughs> so sorry, we, uh, you, you had another exercise or two that you, you're working on right now? Yeah, another one is a it's a journaling exercise. But for those of you that don't like the word journaling like me, because it feels very like uh, I don't like rules. (laughs) David has his hand raised right now. (laughs) (laughs) So if you don't enjoy rules and following a certain thing, too, I'm right on board with you. I enjoy just writing out some thoughts that I'm becoming aware of. And there is a a model that I teach my clients that helps them kind of put together what's what's a thought and where's that leading them and how they feel and how they're acting, the result that they're creating in their life. That's a helpful thing. But you can also just, for your self-awareness, write out some of the thoughts that you notice today and write out some of the thoughts that you would like to practice thinking on purpose. So if right now, like going back to some earlier examples, if it's I live paycheck to paycheck is your current thought. What about finding something more neutral? Like I am living each day 
I have enough for today. And if you want to start working towards the other side of I have plenty, I have abundance and you're not, and that doesn't quite feel comfortable yet. Go to something like I'm considering the possibility that I have more than enough. I'm considering accepting that I have more than I need, but again, that neutral thought first is actually much more helpful to get like from negative to neutral to positive instead of trying to jump from negative to positive. Cause usually our brain starts using that against ourselves, And it's like, look at me, I'm such an idiot. I can't believe I can't actually believe this positive thing that everyone else is saying is true. So something must be wrong with me. I love that. Cause this is something that, um, Evolve Benton brought up on the podcast Gosh, I can't remember what episode that was now either. And they said when you're doing affirmations, which sounds like the same kind of practice here, that when you're doing these affirmations, if you put the affirmation too far out in front of yourself, you'll say it, but reminding yourself with your subconsciousness that's not achievable. I'm not, I'm not there. I'm never going to get there. So it's a worthless exercise. So you're, you're basically kind of just saying, get halfway there or get a little bit of the way there, get to a, a better place. Yeah. Beautifully said. Yeah. And I do love what you're saying here. It sounds like a very similar exercise to what we outline in the five steps to overcoming limiting beliefs, which is in the happy, healthy, wealthy gay men's toolbox that we've made available to people in that you identify what your thoughts are. And then you mm -hmm. think, which are typically negative, and then you figure out what are the thoughts that you would rather have. And you start trying to do that reprogramming of, of those synapses in your brain so you can start to un disconnect some of those synapses that are connected and that you automatically or inherently gravitate to and rewire them so you start having better thoughts and I eventually emit a better vibration and attract more of the abundance that you're talking about earlier. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. A br Oftentimes we call that like either a neutral thought or a bridge thought you know, something that's going to help carry you from here to there. Nice. I love that. That is a, a really important one to kind of mention because oftentimes our lack of confidence is because we have these stories that we play over and over and over and over again in our head. And mm -hmm. if we can start to replace those stories with something that's a little less harmful to our psyche, Mm -hmm. we, we, we get to moving in a, in a, in a positive direction. Yeah, for sure. So we're going to cover one last item that might seem disconnected to the conversation overall, but I, I think it's going to loop back and make complete sense. But you say that we all, regardless of our sexual orientation and our gender identity and have both masculine and feminine energy. Can you explain mm -hmm. that please? Of course. Yeah, so at its, at its core, masculine energy is, it's outward. Masculine energy is a lot of like doing, a lot of action. Feminine energy is a lot of receiving. It's thinking, it's feeling, it's intake. And so every human on the planet is born with masculine and feminine energy we all have both inside of us because it's not really an extreme like we like to make it seem it's a full beautiful spectrum 
And society trains us to, okay, if you are born with this body, then you should only be in touch with this energy. If you are born with this other body, you should only be in touch with that energy. So how would you identify where you fall on that spectrum, especially since everybody's telling you we live in this duality? And I don't know if it's necessarily where you fall on that spectrum. I think it's where you're getting that's being expressed at any given moment, right? Because if we always have the masculine energy and the feminine energy, there are going to be times when we're going to express things in a more masculine way. And there are going to be other times when oh. we express things in a more feminine way. And it's that's just the nature of who we are as as human beings. But being open to expressing both of them and not judging ourselves or letting others judge us for our expression of the, the masculine or the feminine. Beautifully said, yes. <laughs> yeah. So I guess my, the, the better way to phrase that question is how do you use this information yeah so becoming aware of where you're shut off from to be a complete human to really find joy in life and to really be most in touch with yourself which is what creates confidence it's actually you know loving and enjoying the inner you if you're shut off to either of those if you're shut off to not experiencing the full spectrum, but you're only wanting to be one way or another, you're going to be disconnecting from part of who you are. And so it's naturally going to disconnect you from being able to have a full life experience. We need to be able to receive and give. We need to be able to intake and whatever the outtake <laughs> it put out, right? We need to be able to do both in order to have full and complete life. Gotcha. So I think I made it through my thick skull. So basically what you're saying is, is acknowledging that you have both energies and accept and love that you have both energies and let yourself express them as you need to when you need to. Yes. So that you have the full human experience. Right. Being in touch with them allows you to also notice, hey, where is this coming from? Especially when it's like insecurity, oftentimes we get defensive. Well, we do get defensive, right? In in insecurity. And it might be two different ways that we're expressing that, right? We might feel safest expressing it by knocking other people down. That's very masculine energy, right? It's outward focus, it's attack. We might feel safest by overthinking the whole scenario and replaying it over and over and over and over and over in our head and kind of shutting off from the world that would be much more feminine energy Mm. and to be in touch with both of them would look like going oh hey i'm kind of shut off here and i want to be shutting myself off and i'm overthinking this how do i want to bring in my masculine energy to help me out of this or hey i just acted extremely aggressively how do i want to bring my feminine energy in here to actually kind of thinking and feeling before i start doing gotcha that makes a lot of sense yeah it's a very i'm I'm feeling very doubting right now the balance (laughs) uh, of of the energies I think one of the things to remember is that the expression 
of being masculine or feminine isn't necessarily that you are more masculine or feminine in your energy, right? If you present yourself as more masculine or present yourself as more feminine, it has nothing to do with these energies. These energies reside in every single one of us and play out in different scenarios. But it's not that if you are more overtly feminine in your expression, that you are more, you have more feminine energy, because all of that can still take place inside. Yeah, so I want to clarify one thing because I think we're in agreement, but we both have masculine and feminine energy within us, right? Because we are not our body. We are much more than that. People that are presenting more masculine are just more in touch with that end of their spectrum, whether it be because they were socialized to be that way or whatever, right? It's not that they are only having that within themselves. It's that they're socialized to only use that energy within themselves or vice versa. Absolutely. That makes sense. So how can people connect with you if they're interested in everything that we talked about today? (laughs) I make it really easy. Every social media platform, search Coach Alex Ray. I don't have them all, but if I'm on it, that's my name. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And what? And is there different kinds of coaching that you provide people? What would somebody look for if they were looking for coaching from you? So I provide queer confidence coaching. I work with people in the LGBTQIA plus community on confidence, overcoming insecurity, and really actually loving your authentic self. And I love that. Thank you so much for for reaching out and coming onto our show. I think this has been a very enlightening episode uh, for us, and uh, hopefully our listeners uh, find that enlightening as well. And, and based on last uh, recent similar discussions that we've had on this podcast, I think it it'll resonate quite well. Thank you very much. Well, thank you, David and John. I've really appreciated being here. And now a quick word from our sponsor: Capital One's checking and savings accounts have no fees and no minimums. And with one of the best saving rates in America, you can rest easy watching your money grow with no fees to bring you down. You can open an account in about five minutes, which means you are only about five minutes away from getting your savings to grow with one of the nation's best rates. Join our movement to build a community of happier, healthier, and wealthier gay men by getting your free copy of the five building blocks of a happy gay life at debtfreeguys.com forward slash happy. Thank you, Alex, for sharing your personal story with us and the Criminy listeners and for sharing how you've helped yourself and many others in the community gain the confidence that creates the happiness we all desire. To you, the Criminy listeners, here's your Criminy takeaway from this episode. Notice that there's a changing conversation happening in the queer community right now. More of us are talking about authentic happiness, having abundance, and total autonomy. That's the whole purpose of the upcoming Happy Gay Men's Club. So find the guides who you connect with and are speaking your language about living your best life. If that's Alex Ray or us, great. If that's someone else, great. Just pursue it because authentic happiness and self-actualization are just as much your right as anyone else's. If you'd like to learn more about our messaging and the Happy Gay Men's Club, download the five building blocks of a happy gay life at debtfreeguys.com forward slash 266. Thank you. And we'll talk with you next week. From Los Angeles, California to Winooski, Vermont, we're taking queer money on the road. 
Join us as we gamify personal finance with Queer Money Bingo or catch our signature Live Fabulously, Not Fabulously Broke Talk and so much more in between. Check out QueerMoneyPodcast.com forward slash tour or the link in your podcast player regularly for date and location updates.